Uh, our reading this morning is taken from Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. see you all and can I add my welcome to Richard's earlier great to have you uh, with us this morning let's pray and ask for God's help as we turn to his word the Bible let's pray Heavenly Father we do thank you and praise you that you are a kind God who speaks to us by your spirit through your word and we thank you for this food that you have given to us today, Psalm 121. We pray, please, that this would nourish us and feed our faith, uh, that as a, a seed you would plant it deep in our hearts and that it would bear much fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold what is sown, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do, if you've, if you've got a Bible with you, do turn uh, to Psalm 121. And 21. We're thinking about journeys. Of course, journeys uh, are not always straightforward. Sometimes journeys can be really quite dangerous. Uh, It's not for no reason that we wish people a safe journey. It's not for no reason that we pray for traveling mercies. You think of the news even just this past week. Um, I read, I don't know if you saw it in the in the papers or on the news about a BA, a British Airways plane flying from Singapore to London. And um, a few hours into the, the trip, it experienced such severe turbulence and such a, such a dramatic drop of a, of a thousand feet or something like this, uh, that the air stewards hit, literally hit the roof of, of the aircraft and some were injured and people were screaming for their lives. Or you think about that awful, awful incident, um, I think it's about two weeks ago now, that overfull boat full of migrants off the coast of Greece, uh, sinking and killing, I don't know, what was it, 600 people. Or you think even just the last week of that fateful submarine expedition to the Titanic wreckage, a lot of coverage on that. Again, a dangerous journey. And that's never mind, never, not to mention the the road traffic accidents that don't get a real mention in the, in the newspapers, but really which are just as devastating. Journeys can be dangerous and perilous. We've begun to look just from last week and through the summer, begun to look at the songs of ascent. That's Psalm 120 through to 134. And really this was a, I mentioned this last week, but this was a hymn book for Jewish pilgrims as they traveled from all over Israel up to Jerusalem, the capital city, and to the temple for various festivals. 
And this was a hymn book too for them to sing as they journeyed to keep them going. And last week I mentioned how these psalms, these songs of ascent, are typically arranged in threes. And the first group is 120, 121, and 122, located at different points along the journey. 120, that's where we were last week, thinking about this land that was far, far away, a hostile place, far, far away from Jerusalem. 121, which is today, is about the journey itself. 122 is going to be about Jerusalem, the destination. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 121 and the journey. And as we turn there, it's very clear, even just from the the tone of this psalm, that the psalmist knows that journeys do not go without danger. For these pilgrims passing through remote, unfamiliar places, there is, of course, the risk of being attacked by wild animals, perhaps, or by robbers. Crossing over difficult terrain, there was the risk of injury. Seeking to cover huge distances in the heat of the day, Uh, laden down with luggage, there was the risk of exhaustion, all sorts of risks and threats and dangers. And we've been thinking about how we too, if we're trusting in Christ, are pilgrims on a journey, uh, walking by faith uh, towards the new Jerusalem, our final home in the new creation. And likewise, on our journey, likewise, it is not without its dangers. We too, as Christian pilgrims, face the threat of attack, the powers of hell and schemes of man, as the hymn writer puts it, the worries of life, as Jesus puts it, the deceitfulness of wealth and desire for other things, the trials of life, illness and grief and difficulty and poverty. Temptation and sin is a danger too, which can trip us up, all of of which can trip us up, make us stumble, cause us to stop and even turn back. So where can we find help for the journey? Or as the psalmist puts it in verse one, if you've got it in front of you, I lift up my eyes to the mountains Where does my help come from? Who is there to help us? Who is it that's going to keep us going on this journey to our final destination? Now, for this psalmist, it's not clear whether as he looks to the mountains, he sees it as a place of of threat or a place of refuge. But in any case, as he looks to the mountains, he very quickly looks beyond the mountains to the one who made them. He answers his own question very quickly. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where can we find help for the journey? From God, from God himself. God, our helper. Now, my guess is that on first reading, that does not come across as particularly profound It's what we would expect the Bible to say. Uh, Where do we turn to for help? God. But we need to dive a little bit deeper because there's more to this than just uh, God is our helper. Because note the two ways in which God is described here. My help comes from 
the Lord. Uh, the Lord. The Lord isn't just another word for God. The Lord is the, is the Old Testament covenant name for God. Uh, the, the Lord is, is, is God who has committed himself to his people by his covenant. So this isn't just help from God. This is help from their God. This is help from our God, our God who loves us and has committed himself to us. My help comes from the Lord. And note as well that he is he's described as the maker of heaven and earth. Do you see that in verse 1? Verse 2, rather. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You think of the sun and the moon and the stars. And it seems like this. Or the mountaintops, the sky, the oceans, the bits of creation which really just take our breath away. God is their maker. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And of course, as we know, he made them out of nothing, uh, using no raw materials whatsoever. And how he did so effortlessly. Um, a number of weeks ago, we were looking at the creation story with the children at the frontier earlier in the service and thinking about how God uh, made everything by speaking. And I asked, how, how did God make heaven and earth? And one of the children gave a really great answer, I thought. They said he just, they, God, God spoke and it just popped up. And I love that answer because it's so profoundly true. That is right. God spoke, and it just came into being. It was so effortless for God, the maker of heaven and earth, supremely powerful over everything, everywhere. So it's not just God above, but the Lord, our God, who loves us and is committed to us. Not just God, but the maker of heaven and earth, the one who's supremely powerful over everything. This is the one who is our help, our helper on our journey. Well, how does God help us? We'll turn to think about his help and how he does that. There's a repeated phrase in this psalm. It comes up in my translation five times describing what God has done for us and what God does for us, how he helps us. You probably spotted it already. Um, if not, have a look at verse 3. Second line, he who watches over you. Verse 4, he who watches over Israel. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. Verse 7, he will watch over your life. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and going. God helps us as he watches over us. I remember the night one of our, one of our boys was, was, was born, and I think he would have been born maybe half an hour or an hour at this point, I was just sleeping in the little cot in the hospital room, um, and all of the doctors and nurses had left, and uh, I guess I was fairly anxious at that point, um, uh, not, not even contemplating sleep, but just watching deeply intently, is he, is he breathing properly, is everything okay? ready to spring into action. That's the language used of God here. 
He watches over us, fully attentive, ready to spring into action. Verse 3, he will not let your foot slip, watching over us, ready to steady us and catch us and keep us from falling. Verse 5, he's your, he is your shade at your right hand, so that the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. You have here a picture of God, our God, the creator of heaven and earth, watching over his people on their journey to protect them. And the extent of his protection is amazing. You know, that, that night I was watching over um, our, our son. I, I, I stayed awake, um, but I can assure you it was a one-off. Um, normal sleeping service quickly resumed afterwards. But God, I mean, just look at the extent of his supervision and watching. God watches over us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year. Verse 3, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And that means he can keep us safe both from daytime threats, the sun will not harm you by day, and from nighttime threats, nor the moon by night, verse 6. So here is the maker of heaven and earth providing total, round-the-clock supervision and protection every step of the way, every leg of our journey, every chapter of our life. So we have here this beautiful picture of God, our helper, and of the help that he provides for us on the journey. But what does this mean for us, uh, us believers in the Lord Jesus, on our pilgrimage to our future home? Well, let me say firstly what it, what it doesn't mean, and then uh, what I think it does mean. Firstly, this does not mean, and I think we know this from our experience, this does not mean that God wraps us in cotton wool and puts a kind of invisible force field around us to protect us from anything difficult. We know that from our experience. You know, when you plug this psalm into the rest of Scripture, it's very clear that faith in Jesus is not some kind of vaccination to protect us from all difficulty. Like everyone else, believers in Jesus get sick, get depressed, have accidents, suffer grief. Clearly, our God allows us to suffer some difficulty on our journey. So that's what it doesn't mean. But what does it then mean for us? Well, I think it means this. I think it means that our God has promised to powerfully keep us from stumbling on our journey that he will personally ensure that all those who are truly his make it home to their destination with him in glory. That all those who are truly his, he will protect on their journey, on their pilgrimage. So you think of uh, that verse from the end of Jude. God is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence or as our psalmist would put it, he keeps your, um, he will not let your foot slip. 
He protects us on our journey so that we get to our destination. Or you think of John 10, um, the Lord Jesus, that the good shepherd, speaking of his sheep, he says of them, John 10, 28, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. As our psalmist would put it, the Lord will keep you from all harm. Here we have a description of God's protection of us on our journey so that we get to our destination in glory. All those who are truly His, God watches and protects and sustains all the way home to the new Jerusalem. And I think that is often our experience, isn't it? Um, As we look at our own lives, perhaps even as we look back, um, I think often we can see how God has helped us, sometimes even in spite of ourselves, uh, protecting us from facing certain temptations that might have ruined us spiritually blowing us away from the rocks that might have shipwrecked our faith, drawing us back to himself at points where we might have wandered away from him, in his kindness maybe even prodding our conscience, not leaving us in peace so that we might turn back to him. All those who are truly his, God watches over and protects, that is, he won't let their foot slip He will sustain us in our faith on our journey. How should we respond uh, to this? Let me suggest one wrong response, how we definitely shouldn't respond, and then I think the right response to all of this. Firstly, a wrong response. What will be the wrong application from all of this? And that is, we mustn't think that we can just chill out and relax. God's in charge. We don't need to worry about anything. We don't need to do anything. We can just kick back and relax. We mustn't think, well, if God's going to keep me from stumbling, I don't need to watch my step. We mustn't think, well, if God's going to bring me home, I don't need to stay vigilant. We mustn't think, I don't need to walk with other pilgrims. God's going to bring me home one way or the other. No, God's promise to bring us home safely never negates our responsibility to keep walking by faith. You know that beautiful verse at the end of Jude, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Just three verses earlier, maybe you know this, you have this verse, keep yourselves in God's love. And that, I think, highlights the tension and the, the, the balance of this. God will keep us from stumbling. So we don't relax. We keep ourselves in his love. Or in this psalm, we're told five times that God is going to watch over us. But then just think about how many verses there are in the Bible that speaks about about our need to watch over ourselves as well. Paul's final word to the Ephesian elders, keep watch over yourselves. One of Jesus' repeated warnings, watch out, be on your guard against greed, against hypocrisy. So whatever else this psalm teaches us, it doesn't encourage us. It doesn't encourage us to 
put our feet up uh, and just relax spiritually and chill out and let our guard down and take things easy. What is then the right response? I think the right response to all of this is to call on our God for help for the journey. Uh, the psalm uh, reminds us that we need, we need God's help. Let me just put this up. Call on him for help. Uh, we need God's help. We won't make it to that future home without him helping us and sustaining us in our faith. And therefore, we should ask him for help. Uh, God's promise to help and protect us shouldn't put us off asking us, asking him, but provoke us and prompt us to do so. There's a lovely little aside in uh, one of C.S. Lewis's Narnia books, The, the Magician's Nephew. It's the first in the series. Uh, very, very worth a read. Um, and there are lots of biblical parallels in those stories, not least uh, Aslan, the, the lion in the story who is the Christ-like figure. Anyway, in The Magician's Nephew, there's a little aside. Uh, the two children... It's fantasy, it's, it's, it's a fiction. That the two children have been sent on a, on a mission by Aslan on the back of a flying horse. And uh, these two children, they find themselves in the middle of nowhere and they have nothing to eat and they're a bit put out by this. They're a bit frustrated. And the boy, who's called Diggory, uh, says this, I do think someone might have arranged our about our meals. Why haven't we got any food? I, wish, I do think someone might have arranged about our meals. And the horse says, I'm sure Aslan would have if you'd asked him. And the little girl, Polly, says, wouldn't he know without being asked? I've no doubt he would, said the horse. But I have a sort of idea he likes to be asked. I think it's the same with God, isn't it? God is willing to help us on our journey. He's promised to help and protect us on our journey. But he likes to be asked, not least because it stops us from imagining that we don't need him. So I wonder, in the light of God, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who's promised to help and protect and watch over us on our journey to that future home, do you ask him for help? on that journey. Not just do you agree that you need him, but do you positively, proactively ask him for protection from temptation that would otherwise shipwreck you? Do you pray that he would keep you from stumbling? Do you ask that he would, for, for him to sustain your faith and lead you from sin and keep you on the road? I've been really helped in this just recently using, um, using in my own prayer time the prayers of some past saints, liturgy, written prayers. Um, listen to this, um, for example, a prayer for God's uh, protection and help on the journey, the journey of faith. This is from Zacharias Ursinus, whom I don't know, but his prayer is a good one. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, because we are so weak in ourselves, 
that we cannot stand even for a moment, and moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us because we're weak and under attack. Will you therefore keep and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may firmly resist them and not go down to defeat in this spiritual war, but remain persistent until we finally obtain the complete victory and reign together with your Son, our Lord and Protector, Jesus Christ, in your kingdom forevermore. A brilliant prayer asking for God's help to keep us going by faith. Whether we springboard off the prayers of old saints or pray our own prayers, let's be those who keep asking God for strength, for his protection, for his sustenance, for the journey home to the new Jerusalem. So call on him for help. And then just finally, I guess, just a, a challenge, an encouragement to you if you don't yet trust in Christ. Because I think this is something to say to you too. Because I think this psalm gets the very, very heart of the Christian faith. That is, it, it recognizes our need and, our, and, and asks for help. That is really at the very heart of the Christian faith, to recognize our need and to ask God for help. And the good news is that the maker of heaven and earth not only protects those who are already on the journey, but also is willing to rescue those who are far, far away from him. Because the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made the stars and the mountain peaks, became one of us and died on a cross to help us with our most profound need, our need for forgiveness, our need for rescue. And so if you're not yet trusting in Christ yourself, can I urge you, as with all of us, to, to, to call on him for help, to call on him for forgiveness of sins, for help for the journey, so that you too may know the maker of heaven and earth as your God, that you too might be there with us on that final day in, his, in that new Jerusalem, that new creation, that place of perfect peace and rest. Let's pray. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are such a kind and caring and loving God, that you watch over your pilgrims, that you protect us, that you keep us from stumbling. And so we pray, please, as you have promised, so would you do that? Would you help us? Would you help each one of us on our journey by faith to, our future, to that future destination? Would you keep us? Would you keep our feet from, from slipping? Will you make sure that on that last day, we are there together with all of your people, praising you forevermore? Help us, we pray. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.